it's like we're always teaching each other. And there's that culture of always learning that I think makes the pathway really, really successful. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I'm your host and chief goddess of the PASS Foundation, Annalise Corbin. We know the current model for education is obsolete. It was designed to create fleets of assembly line workers, not the thinkers and problem solvers needed today. We've seen the innovations that are possible within education, and it's our goal to leave the box behind and reimagine what education can look like in your own backyard. So welcome to today's episode of Learning Unboxed. As usual, super, super excited um, because we get to have a conversation about internships and capstones and mentoring. And I'm excited about this conversation because of all the different topics that we cover on Learning Unboxed, this is probably the one that we get the most inquiries about. Our listeners want to know more about what makes these programs work and work well. Because there's a lot of folks out there that are tackling internships and capstones, but they're not all great programs. And today we're going to talk to Erica Reeves, um, who is the Body STEM Coordinator at Metro Early College High School. Uh, We've spoken with Erica before, some of you may recall. And joining her is a student, Sharish Parasa, who has been participating in the Bodies program this last year, did one of the most amazing um, internships and capstone presentation projects I think that I have ever seen. I'm super, super excited to hear from both of them about this entire experience. So welcome to the program. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hi, great to be here. Absolutely. So Erica, for our listeners who might not know, give us the 100,000-foot view of this thing called the Bodies Learning Center. So the Bodies Learning Center is set up as an introduction into college coursework. Um, So cohorts get together. uh, They want to be involved in medicine in some capacity. So they take classes at Ohio State, and then they take medical interventions. Um, They do biomedical rotations. They do an advisory curriculum in the fall. And then in the spring, they're placed with a mentor who will help them help guide them through scientific research. So they we use the design cycle. It's really, um, if you're familiar with Metro, we do design challenges, and I kind of call it a design challenge on steroids. Um, and so th- really, the, the pathways are a way to introduce students into college coursework and to have a cohort that helps, helps them through the whole process. Um, the goal is on the other side to be very successful college students with an internship experience, Um, that opens up doors and networking to whatever comes next. Mm -hmm. And what I love about the way we, and I say we, right, so our listeners know that actually the Pathway programs are embedded. They are our school and residence at the PASS Foundation and PASS Innovation Lab. So I say we very deliberately because we cohabitate, we co-work, we we mix and mingle, we sometimes co-teach. We do a variety of things together. So um, I'm using we because I'm so proud of what happens here. Sharish, let's talk a little bit about your experience because you are just finishing up your junior year. These um, pathway programs are designed for students largely their junior year for them to come into. And, you know, you're fully embedded in taking collegiate courses and you have an aspiration to go into medicine, hence you're choosing this particular program. 
But what I really kind of want to dig in with you a little bit is, you know, as a student participating in the program, the culminating sort of component of all of this is this this internship and this capstone research that's tied to this internship. And just for clarity for our listeners, it's probably the thing I like the most about this is because I tell visitors who come to the Innovation Lab when they ask about what they see going on here, um, they see the scientific posters around the building. And I always make a point to, to, to make sure that folks understand that the difference between what happens here in this experience for students and what I think of as more traditional internship and capstone is that this is research-based. You are embedded and we have a collective expectation that you do real research. You are contributing to the science. What does that feel like as a student? It's honestly, it's humbling. And I'm also, I feel really blessed to be part of a part of a lab with all these adults and people who've been uh, had an education just to be there and been working in that lab for 20, 30 years. And just being there uh, for my first time being in a part of research or in any type of laboratory setting, it's a humbling experience. And I'm so blessed that I got the opportunity to do it. I will say that um, I, I definitely have been a critical part of the study. I did, uh, for my study, I, I was in charge of really taking the pictures of these mice lung slides to contribute to this study. And this study has real-world implications we use to uh, develop different clinical treatment strategies that can really be used in the real world. So it's definitely, uh, like I said, it's a humbling experience and it's really great to be part of this. And I think this will definitely help me in the future because obviously there's so much um, availability to be a part of other research. And this is just my kind of my first step through a door with so many other doors and ahead of me that can give me so many more opportunities in the future. So I think it set me up really perfectly. So I'm really glad to be in the body's pathway yeah. for sure. Yeah. Was it daunting? Uh, at some times it was. I will say, and Miss Reeves can also testify to this, I was stressed. It was, <laughs> it was, there were some parts because on one thing, uh, you know, I have a semester to do this research, right? So there's a deadline as a time constraint. And obviously that puts some stress on the, on the research itself. So at times I was kind of panicking at some point, like, oh, will I be able to make it? Will I be able to do this uh, in time for the symposium, the capstone presentation? And I was able to make it through and have a really good project. So, and I, turns out there was not much to be worried about. So I pushed through. Well, I saw your presentation multiple times. There was nothing to be worried about. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, so Erica, from the, from the teacher's perspective, so let's talk a little bit about the setting up of the internship, right? So I'm, I'm less about the processes and more about sort of your theory of action, if you will, in terms of how do you go about structuring an internship program so that students, despite the stress and how daunting it, because it should be daunting, it's a big thing we're asking these kids to be immersed in, to step up right? And, and to just take on this amazing opportunity in this role for what it is. But there's a lot of work on the back end from you to ensure that that sort of happens. So talk with us just a little bit about the way you think about that approach to internship. So one of the big things that we do in the fall is um, the, the biomedical 
rotations. And it opens the door up for the students to look at different careers that maybe they wouldn't have thought about. Um, Sharisha is interested in uh, pediatrics, at least if that's where he was in the fall. And so the mentor we placed him with um, does pediatric research. So kind of that was, that's one of the first steps is knowing what the students want so that you can get them placed in a place of interest because when they're in place of interest, then they thrive because it's something they're passionate about and something that there's buy-in for. So when I think about it from like the classroom setting of all the things that go into like a successful project, we do a lot of research where they write annotated bibliographies so they can become experts in their, you know, their area of study. And, and so those annotated bibliographies and reading those scientific papers kind of immerses them into their topic. From there, we, we write problem statement objective proposal papers. And so it forces this, and forces like, not the best word to use, but it really, it guides them in saying, this is the problem that I'm trying to solve and this is how I'm going to go about it. And these are the constraints and, um, and, and, you know, the different things that I have to work with. And, and time is one of them, you know, one of the big things. And again, you know, we use that design cycle where we're always circling back to what is our pro what is the uh, the deliverable for this particular piece and how are we going to get about it and and uh, what changes do we need to modify as we're going along the way so the promising objective proposal paper usually happens around february the students are usually usually placed by uh, january and then the paper gets written i don't know mid february and then come march they do a capstone halfway point presentation and this capstone halfway point presentation allows them to see where they have gone or where they have been and where they are going. And they present, their, they present them to their colleagues or their classmates. And it's really great because most of the time, the, the classmates only know so much about what everybody's doing. So they're like, oh man, this is great. What was that like when you presented your capstone halfway point presentation? When I presented it and when I watched others present it, I will say it made me realize that my experience was one of many, that there were other people who had completely different experiences in research. Like uh, for example, uh, my friend Eric, who's also in the Bodies Pathway, he did a, uh, his research on uh, how effective thank you cards were in nursing homes, which is completely different from mine. I have to take pictures of uh, microscope slides, right? So it's very different. We had another student who uh, worked with actual patients, uh, so did clinical studies. So it definitely varies. And it also helped me realize kind of how we can how we can really use this research like doing this presentation helped me develop like okay here's what this research is being used for here's what i need to know and it really set an outline for me to effectively like go through this research um, using the best of my ability for sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and let's talk a little bit about the fall rotations because i think that one of the other things somewhat unique about the way this program is structured is that it is a year-long experience. We talk about the internship, but that's just one small piece of the overarching experience. Quite frankly, all of the pieces sort of roll together to ensure that you're actually ready to engage in that internship in a meaningful way. But the rotations is always, again, one of the pieces that I've always loved because it recognizes that you walk in this door and you say, hey, 
I want to be a physician. And you could, by the time you go through the rotation, say, oh my gosh, I can't stand bodily fluids. Maybe I need to think about this differently. Or you could say, I'm all in, because you had the chance on a small sort of dosed level, if you will, to experience so many different components prior to being placed into that internship. So, so my question to you is, through the rotation process, right, was there something in particular that you were like, this was a wow for me? Whether you wanted to go that way or not, but it was just something you, you never really thought about. Because I think that's the other thing that's really intriguing, right? When we say, hey, I'm going to go to the bodies program, it's all about healthcare. Healthcare is this big, right? It's everything from, you know, being a surgeon or a pediatrician to the medical billing process, right? The back encoding around HIPAA and all these other sorts of things that go on. So I'm super curious about the things that you experienced in your rotation and whether or not they had a meaningful influence on the way you were thinking about things. Yeah, uh, they definitely did. And I will say that Ms. Reeves has been a super helpful uh, mentor and definitely guided me through this. Um, being the indecisive person I am, at the end of every <laughs> <laughs> at the end of every rotation, I would be like the anthropology or the the vet rotation and the uh, optometry rotation. I would always be like, "Oh, I want to be an optometrist now, or <laughs> I want to be an anesthesiologist now." At the end of every rotation, it'd just be like that. And uh, I remember at the end of the semester, I looked back through that notebook, and it was just overwhelming. Like there was so much I had written, really about all these different professions. And so it took some self-reflecting and looking through that notebook and realizing that I liked working with kids. And that was a, a connecting factor that I really found. So I found that I want to go into pediatrics. Um, the type of pediatrics, that's still to be determined, but uh, that's how it kind of pieced together. And that was definitely mostly because of Ms. Reeves giving us that notebook, mm -hmm. letting us write down mm -hmm. these thoughts, mm -hmm. definitely helped me piece that together for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, she and I have had this conversation numerous times. That reflective piece, right? Yeah. We, we all need a moment to reflect. And it's often left out of a sort of traditional educational experience in many ways, right? We give you content. We, we ask you to take a test or we figure out some way to determine your knowledge. But sometimes we forget to let, let the participants have a moment to actually reflect about what they learn, what they experience, what they feel about what they learned or experienced. So that kind of gets me to, to the next sort of piece of this. You know, Erica, one of the things that he's mentioned numerous times now is, you know, Ms. Reeves helped me with this or, you know, Ms. Reeves that. And, you know, the reality is, you know, there's multiple points of mentorship that are necessary in a program like this for it to work. So it's there's your mentorship with the, your own students, but there's also the mentorship with the labs or the placements. And that's not necessarily an easy thing, right? Because at the end of the day, you're letting your kids go off into as a quasi-unknown space, right? I know you do a lot of due diligence before the placements happen, but the reality is not everybody is good at mentorship. So how do you think about the role of the mentor and how do you mentor others to be good at that? And then how do you mentor your kids to be accepting of that? I know that's a lot, but it really gets to the heart of, I think, of one of the reasons your program is so successful. So I'm going to roll a couple of different things in this because I never finished talking about like how we do all of the classroom pieces. Um, so 
when, when we place students, we look at the student interest, but we also look at personalities. Um, and, and really, so like, I, like Sharisha's really outgoing. Um, he can work with anybody. So he's got that great, those great collaborative skills. One of the things that was important to him was wet lab. Like he wanted to do something in that kind of that wet lab environment. And, and I know maybe it wasn't wet lab in the traditional sense, but it had the microscope piece and the, and the microscopy and that kind of stuff. So kind of looking at the skills that the students want to develop and the skills that the, the mentors have, most of the, sometimes we bring in new mentors and a lot of times we, we build on the mentors that we, we've already had uh, and people that work in their departments. So that's one of the, you know, that's one of the ways that we do. It's sometimes we can place mentors like with, if the students are maybe struggling with writing, putting them with mentors that are good writers just really trying to build out the whole student, the whole researcher, I guess, is one of the things that we do. Uh, and then student or mentors that want to be a part. And then they'll say, well, I'm really not sure what I'm supposed to do here. And so we just, we kind of just talk through the process. Well, what do you want your outcome to be? Where do you want to build from here? So if you, if you find out this information, you know, what, how do you want to build after you're done with it? So I guess, I guess it really, it's, it's kind of like a, a mystery, finding out what the mentors, what the mentors needs are, what the students needs are, and, and placing them in that capacity. I, I don't know. I love the deliverables that we have. So after the kids do the capstone halfway point presentations, they write a scientific journal article, they create a scientific uh, poster, they present at a capstone symposium. And so really brings those pieces together. And I think one of the reasons that we're so successful in what we do is that we do one-on-ones every week. So every week the students do one-on-ones and, and they have certain deliverables they bring in. So it might be that they're bringing in a couple slides to their capstone halfway point presentations to share. It could be that they're bringing in the introduction to their paper or they're bringing in the poster rough draft. And, and so as mentor student or teacher student, they get feedback and they get feedback as uh, classmates. So they do a lot of peer review as well. We just think that there's a lot of ways that the students get feedback where they have the opportunity to reflect, that reflective piece. And I, I would gather that you would say that you get just as much, you learn just as much from your peer review than you do from teacher review. Am I correct about that? Yeah. So I think just... It's like, it's like we're always teaching each other. And there's that culture of always learning that I think makes the pathway really, really successful. And I would agree with that. You know, I get the, the privilege, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it that way because I truly mean it, of being, um, you know, um, an embedded observer in many ways, right? So I get to have watched the program over many years, you know, and it has evolved as all great things do because they can't stay static. The, the, the times in, we live in, the partners change. You know, so many, so many pieces are in motion all the time. Um, but to me, I do agree. I think that's one of the things, you know, there's that near peer sort of experience, super useful. I think the other thing that makes the program so successful, quite frankly, and, and not all pathway programs function this way, let's be really clear, and not even all of them function the same way within this ecosystem. There's, they are different. 
for a whole host of reasons. But I think that one of the things that I always use as a measure of success is, again, you know, we get lots of visitors here at the Innovation Lab, um, certainly when we're not in restrictions, right, uh, for COVID. Um, but the reality is when folks come in, you know, and and I can point at, you know, one of the glass boxes and say, pick out the teacher. And oftentimes the visitors can't. They can't specifically identify. And that is, that, is, that is a great testament to what's going on in this space because it means that you are as enmeshed and as embedded in what's happening as the students are. And that's not always what you see, right? And so I think that that's a big piece of it. You know, one of the things, because we, we always want to recognize that not everything is smooth. There's so much learning that happens, right? It's a big lift. So, Sharish, what didn't work, right? I'm going to put you on the spot, right? And this is not a criticism because I'm going to ask Ms. Reeves the exact same question. You know, there are things, right? Because the program is dynamic every single year because it's a different group of students that comes in. It's a different group of mentors. It's a different group of labs, right? Things don't always work the way you think that they should or can or there are things, right? And so I'm curious, what, what, what either didn't work or what would you do differently, yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I would say that the expect so I would say that going into the going into the body's pathway and right after COVID, right after we we're online completely online for a whole uh, year of high school, uh, going into the body's pathway, we didn't have much of an expectation, uh, mostly because I personally have didn't communicate with you know other people who. Uh, we're in the body's pathway, but I didn't know what was really a part of the whole um, ECE experience. Um, so I guess I didn't know what didn't work. I couldn't tell what was going wrong or what didn't work. It just, it kind of just like, it happened. And because you didn't feel like you had a framework because yeah. of the fact the last 18 months prior to were completely disrupted. And it, yeah, and this experience was completely different, right? From any other high school experience, not something I was expecting. So going into it, it's I, I had like little expectations, really just, yeah. Because lockdown it, happened, you were a freshman. Yeah, I was a freshman. You were the spring of your freshman year. So uh-huh. you you literally had very little high school experience Yeah, in the traditional sense of, of not that Metro is traditional, right. but but you didn't really get to live that experience. Yeah, uh-huh. and uh, now that I look back in the semester uh, with other people who I know from other schools, right? They sit in the classroom, they have eight, cla- eight periods. It switched from class to class. Here I am, I'm in the morning at the library and I have to go to this hall for a lecture and then bus to the nationwide hospital to work for three, eight, three four hours uh, taking pictures of microscopes and then I go back to track practice. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's a heck of a day for yeah. sure, and it's definitely different. Um, but I think it's it honestly, it's really good that I have this experience because now, like, I'm like an adult. Like, I, I'm moving. Oh yes, and you really, are. <laughs> I'm moving like an adult, and all my I can say all my friends are jealous that I have this experience. So I'm very, uh, you know, privileged to have that for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate that a lot, Erica. What what about as you think about it? Because again, it's different every single year. I mean, I've watched. I've watched you do this enough times to know that it, it's a lift every single time. I mean, on the one hand, right, it's a lift every single time. And so to sort of celebrate the time and effort that it takes you to actually ensure a successful program for, for your kids. So bravo for that. 
But the flip side of it is it's a lift every year, right? So, so how do you think about that in terms of things that don't work or the pivots that you have to make, you know, along the way? So I, I think the hardest part of being, you know, the coordinator of the program is that every student is different. What they need is different. Their experiences they have coming into the program are different. What they want to get out of the program are different. Their writing levels are different. Like There's just so many variables. You can't plan for deaths of the family and how that affects or surgeries or things like that. They affect the whole process. What happens when your mentor goes out of town and you don't see them for two weeks? I mean, that happens. That happens. Been here for four weeks, actually. Yeah, and so, and so he's he's working with the other person in the lab, and he's coming to me, and he's talking about it. And we're talking through, and we're talking about how do we how do we modify it. So, like, there are things that happen. You just have to be, I guess, quick to think on your feet, but think about how to give them the best experience when things don't work out. Like I had some students that weren't able to go into their internships until mid-semester. So everything that they did was virtual up until, I don't know, maybe when we, right before or right after we came back from spring break in March. So um, my first year I ran the, the learning center, every kid went into their internships on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, all of them. If they wanted to go in extra time, they could, but everybody went in on Tuesday, Thursday. This year, I had some that went in on Wednesday mornings because their mentors weren't available on Tuesday, Thursday. I had some that were pretty much all virtual, and so they had meetings, and they would come here and work. So you could say it, you could say it doesn't work. Those are the things that don't work, but I think those are the things that really make it authentic. Yeah, yeah. It's um, real world. It is very real world. And communicating with the mentor and, and teaching the students to communicate with their mentors because they come in and they're really, really shy and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a mentor. And then they come out and they're like, oh, this person actually likes me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And they're you know, a real human. And they're, yeah. human. they're real yeah. human. That's important, uh, right? Yeah, right? To recognize human. that we're not scary. Uh, yeah, and, and it's amazing. Now, I will tell you one of the best things um, that did work this year is while all of my students were doing their capstones, I was also doing my capstone for my master's. So all of the things, that, all of the deliverables that the students were responsible for, I also did, except for the poster. And I don't have my poster made yet, um, but I will, I will get that done. It was more important for me to give feedback to them than it was to make my own. Modeling opened up my eyes to what I was asking them to do and how to strategically teach them the best way to do it. And I think that was really great. Yeah, that's a really powerful statement. What, what, what did it feel like to know that she was doing what you were doing and she was doing it to earn a master's degree? Uh, it definitely made did it me matter? feel... Yeah, it made me feel like she knows what I'm going through. Like she knows that this is tough. And it also made me realize that like because she knows what, like, what we're all going through, she can really help. And she can really be there as a, as really to help us and through this because you know we're 16, 17 years old, right? And this is a wild experience. And so to have that, to have someone who knows what it's like, really, um, definitely helps for sure. Yeah, that's an amazing journey. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, uh -huh. absolutely. Would you would you recommend it to others? Oh yeah, hundred percent, for sure. Yeah, I think 
any student should go through this at some point in their life. It's, it's a good experience, yeah. Thank you both for taking time out of your day to start to share your journey with us. So we appreciate it. For sure. Thank, Thank you for, you having, for us. having us. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.